WDSL Port St. Lucie. It's time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning there, Ray. We appreciate very much your help with the show. We appreciate all you folks that are listening today. We are glad that you're here, and hopefully for the next hour or so, we can provide you with some information, some insights, and something to think about in the spiritual in the spiritual realm and the spiritual world, in particular with being just a Christian. That's what this show is about. That's why we call it what we do, just Christians. And so we are just Christians because we're trying to point people back to the first century, to the Bible, as a way to understand how to live both personally and as the church. And so we're trying to get beyond you know, just societal conventions, beyond traditions, all those things, back to what Jesus said so we can have the, have the right way to live. That's what this show's about. It's, it's a process, and hopefully you're interested in learning about that. We think the New Testament has the answers that we need for today's society, and um, therefore we're trying to teach people about that. That's what the show's about. This is a live call-in show, by the way. And we'll invite your participation here. Let me give you the numbers in just a moment uh, and how to reach us. You can reach us by by uh, calling, by text, by email. So I'll give you all that information in just a second. But first, let me tell you that we're not here just to – well, well, we may disagree. You may disagree with us, right? That's kind of the way it works. Right, Gary? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say oh, maybe, gonna... maybe more important than important to today's society is the fact that it's important – to the day we stand judgment before God. It is. Well, of course, that's what we're trying to avoid, yeah. the being judged. You're right. Correct about that. So what? So you, I think you have John, John 12, 48. I keep coming back to it. If all of those folks out there would like to, please mark your Bibles to John chapter 12, the Gospel of John chapter 12 and verse 48. Jesus says, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Yes. And so that's what, that's why we're connecting up what we're what the New Testament says with how we're living today so that we can face God in the judgment day. Exactly. And, and that and that's all that matters. So people talk about, you know, uh, the judgment day and stuff. And it doesn't matter what I do and what I think of you. People get upset because, well, you're, you're judging me. You or you think I'm not going to heaven. You know, it doesn't really matter at all. Uh, in the big picture, what Mike Schmidt thinks about that to you. I or know that or what Gary good. Jones, what thinks, Gary of Jones thinks about you. It doesn't matter. Uh, that's not how you're going to be judged. And yes, we, we could be wrong. We could be bad people. And that wouldn't change your judgment at all just because we're bad people. That's why we keep pointing you uh, to the scriptures in this matter to, to, to examine them. So we're going to, when you call in or interact with this show, we're going to try to give you some uh, Bible scriptures to look at, to read, to think about. And, and evaluate, and, and you can do that. The Bible says that we can understand what we read in Ephesians chapter 3. God wrote it down so we can understand what we read. It may not be instantaneous, but we can understand it, and then we're going to have to live like that. So we challenge you to take a look at that, at the answers we try to give, and point you in that direction. Maybe you'll find when you go to the Bible some other information that adds to what we say, maybe something that takes away. That's That's fine. We'd like to hear about those things where you disagree or where you think we're off or where we don't include the right information. You know, some things are erroneous, not just because they a person says the wrong things. They're erroneous because they don't say enough of, of things. They, they leave out important information. 
kind of like the CDC has been doing for a year and a half, <laughs> almost two, for two years. But that's another story. Uh, don't, Le- don't leaving, st- leaving out important information because they don't want people to know. You know, uh, if we were guilty, if we're guilty of that, you need to call us out on that. Yes. Okay, we, we agree with that. So that's why we have to have a conversation. That's why I started to go out. We're going to have a conversation with you about some of these matters when you call in, if you can. Some people can stay on the line. Some people can't. That's fine. And, and we'll give you the last word in, our, in the conversation so you don't feel put upon. I know we get to control the show, but we don't want you to feel that we're just taking advantage of you. So call in. And it may be something you don't think is important, but a lot of people think it's important. You're going to find out that uh, if you are th- – thinking about something lots of other people are too and we'd really appreciate that if you want to text us you can if you want to call us we can so you can reach we are just christians at 772-340-1590 772-340-1590 is the number to reach us and ray there at the station will put you right on through to us here and we'll have a conversation now we're going to try to work around the one or two second delay that we got. So if we jump on you, we're not trying to cut you off. We're just trying to work around the delay between your talking and us listening and us talking and all that. It, uh, we're not professionals at, at this. Uh, at this, tr- We're not trained broadcasters. As <laughs> then the other way to reach us is by text message, or one of the other ways is by text message. Two text numbers. One is mine. That's Mike's 772 2606120 and then Gary's text number is very similar 772-260-6220 772-260-6220 so we'd love you to call in texting is is okay and the advantage of that is you can also text us during the week and I got a text uh, you know last night I guess or sometime yesterday about the show last week making a comment or two which we might be able to get to today so we appreciate that very much. You can also reach us by email at seven seven at justchristians at att.net. Well, okay. I was thinking I was thinking of another verse. The, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter fourteen, maybe down around verse ten or eleven. He says, "For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God." So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Yes. That's, well, that's, that's, that's going to be a serious day. Yes, it is. Well, there's a similar scripture, and we got Jerry's on the line, so we're going to get to you real quick here, Jerry. Just hang on one second till we finish this thought. But uh, And I, I want to get the exact verse. I can get you close. It's in it's in Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, and about verse 4 or 5, I believe, uh, he's Paul says it's in verse it's verse nine. I was wrong. Second Corinthians five, nine and ten. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, meaning um, whether he's alive or whether he's with him or not with him to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The Lord's to be feared exactly. in the proper way because he's going to judge us. And so we're going to all give account for ourselves. We're going to re- receive in kind the things done in the body. So it isn't just a matter of what we think and having a good heart or whatever. Uh, we're going to be judged for what we do. It isn't a matter of 
having faith one day in your life and saying, oh, saying some kind of sinner's prayer and being saved forever, we're going to receive an account, accounting of all the things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. And Jesus says the standard for that accounting is going to be it's his, his word. word. That's what the passage you read earlier. So that's the reason that's important, the things we talk about on this show, and mo- mostly the concept we're trying to get across. Well, I think we should probably go to the phones, Gary. Uh, Jerry, are you there? Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Gary. Uh, I was wondering about the word monolith. Uh, we'll fall into a law, or law of unyielding structure. And uh, when they use the word monolithic, is there any way you can compare that to religion? Uh, in other words, uh, that that structure they have in uh, in Washington, uh, it starts with an O. I don't know how it Obelisk. sounds, but uh, a monolith is a law of unyielding structure. And I'm I'm wondering about the term monolithic, if you can compare that to religion. I'd like to listen to that. Is that be okay, Mike? That's that's fine, Jerry. I think the term you're probably looking for with regard to the Washington Monument is obelisk, which is this particular shape, a classic kind of shape uh, that is a simple, obvious memorial kind of structure. And it was used in ancient times as well as modern times. Now, monolithic, um, I'm trying to look something up here, but monolithic is a is a uh, Latin, and well, it's a Greek word, really, I guess, coming into the Latin, too. And it means one stone or one rock. It, the word lithos, lithos, is the word for stone or rock, and mono means one, and so it's a, it's a one piece. And what it referred to originally, I believe, if my memory is correct, is a one-piece foundation for a building. If you were able to build a building or a structure on one piece of rock, a, a slab that we would call it, then you had a more stable structure. That's why in Florida we pour these, and they call them monolithic foundations that we pour our houses and buildings on in the sand here. They build a, they build a, a barrier structure, the battens and boards around the outside. They put uh, uh, steel in, say, cross it and so forth. And then they pour concrete and level it on there. Now that, that's, that monolithic foundation is going to be there for a long time, and it's pretty stable compared to some other forms. Now, the only other kind is when you actually drill down in the glades, they, they drill down these pilings into the bedrock because the ground is so unstable. On The sand there and the muck is so unstable, they can't even pour a foundation successfully. So they drill down into those the bedrock, and they stabilize the building with these pilings that go down into something solid yeah. and, di- and different kinds of bedrock in in florida it's mostly sandstone but if you go up to new york in new york city it's granite which is probably even better so yes it's, it's the it means that the foundation you build on generally and it's connecting to religion i would think it means the foundation you're building on has to be solid and firm and correct and that's and that's why you'll find in um uh that's why you'll find this concept in the Bible. And Jerry asked about this being in, I don't know that the word monolithic is in the Bible, but surely the concept, uh, this found, this concept of, uh, is indeed uh, in the Bible. Uh, let me just see if I can find the passage. I, I, you see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, just looking up the word foundation, for example, Jerry. I'm well, I looked up Jerry. monolith for the New King James, and it's not there. No, the word is self is not there, but the idea of Jesus being 
in First Peter, the chief cornerstone. You can look up look up cornerstone, Gary. That's where I was going next. So you can do that while I'm talking. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now, a cornerstone was usually one large rock or stone that often had been cut and placed in the ground very securely and leveled so that they could then strike all the other lines of the building and the foundation off of that. And it became the building piece that all the rest of the building was founded on was yes. that cornerstone. Now, uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17 that many people have strayed from concerning the truth, verse 18, I should say, saying that the resurrection has already passed and they overthrow, they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, in spite of these false teachers teaching false things, nevertheless, the firm foundation or solid foundation of God stands having this seal the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord, name of Christ, depart from iniquity. So that, that's really the, uh, the key there, is that the foundation of, of God's church and of his people is that the Lord knows those who are his, in spite of the fact that in churches we have many people who are pretending to be Christians who aren't really as it aren't really Christians, and they certainly aren't living as Christians. Many, many uh, people who are pretenders or who are not serious about it. But he says, the Lord knows those who are his. And one of the keys to this is let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. You want to say that you're following Christ? You don't want to name his name as being your name? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Then depart from wickedness. Iniquity now we're going to get on another word, Gary, is an interesting word. It's often translated lawlessness in some versions. Iniquity is an, is an older word. And it means without law, anomia. And it means people that just don't respect the law of God or any law. The lawless people of society are the ones that doesn't matter what law you pass, they're going to go do what they want to do. And that's the problem with gun control laws, that the people that need them aren't going to obey them because they're lawless. Well, the people and, that and they're levied to control don't, don't aren't, pay, aren't controlled by it. Well, yeah, because they're anomia. They're, they, they're full of iniquity or lawlessness. And it's, it applies to so many other things. So if you want to claim to be a Christian, you have to be a person who respects the law of Christ. There are plenty of Protestant preachers out there this morning. Say Protestant preachers ten times fast, Gary. Anyway, there are plenty of Protestant preachers out there this very morning who are going to tell their, their the people in their congregations that you don't have to do what God says; that obedience is unnecessary, and, and that's flat against contradicts what He's saying right here in this passage. Yes. But but the idea then, the foundation of God has a foundation for what He does, and it's built on Jesus Christ. Uh, and, we'll and, get to that verse in just a second. But well, basically, the cornerstone is the first stone laid that everything else is laid out. Is laid relative, from that. From that. And in the New King James, my computer says it's only used six times in the New Testament, all of them referring to Jesus as the chief cornerstone are basically that foundation upon which should be built. Yes, every one. Every He's one the them. chief cornerstone. He's the one. And so... Uh, a mon it becomes then a monolith, a single rock. There is only one stone, one rock. There's only one upon chief which cornerstone. the church can be built. One chief cornerstone, 
that that can the church on our lives can be built on. And Jesus in turn says that is the word that he has spoken to us. Basically, he is the word. It, right. We could we could spend a whole show talking about how Jesus is discussed in the Gospel of John and in some other places as the word. Right. Right. So, so that that makes basically what we're looking at. Scripture is the foundation for everything that we should build on. Right. Now, as far as an obelisk is concerned, uh, that shape, I, I don't know where I would go in the Bible, but we have many obelisks in, in archaeological history or in archaeology that have been found. Well, the uh, Egyptians they, loved them. They loved them, and so did the Assyrians. I think Shalmaneser has an obelisk, and you can look up the pictures to that. It's a, It, it had some kind of a divine meaning to them, the fact that it was sloped. It was very tall and thin comes up on four sides. Sometimes they have six sides. And then it has like a pyramid at the top, pointed top. And sometimes they're four-sided, sometimes they're six-sided, made usually out of granite or marble, something very solid, obsidian. I think I've seen some of them made out of that in ancient ancient times. And they were kind of symbols of, that's why kings would use these, because they're symbols of stability and power things like that because of the shape of them. And so, um, yes, that's an important thing. Interesting idea, though, about a foundation. Um, that's really, and it goes back to what this show is about. People want to build their religious or spiritual lives on a lot of different things, things and principles, you know, that they build them on. And that they, they, in so doing, when they, be, they forget that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone upon which everything is built, everything that we do or think in, in religion or spiritual matters must must not only be approved by Christ, but must fit within his word and needs to be based on the things that he says are important. And, and it hasn't, you know, it, it's, it's always been that way, Mike, even going back into the Old Testament in the series before that. I, I'm going to quote a passage from Job, Job 23, beginning in verse 11. Job says, and, and think about this, as an honest man can say this. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, and I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's the importance of the word, even back in the We were kind of getting at that last week, I think, yeah. before in the show, and we didn't really get to that. Right. Well, you know, I was thinking while you were talking there about this, Gary, you know, this church here, there's no name in the Bible given for Jesus, the Church of Jesus Christ. There's no one name, no no exclusive name given. Now we've chosen a name, Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard, uh, but we're also the Church of God on Savona Boulevard and the Church of Jesus Christ on Savona Boulevard. Or the Assembly of God. Assembly of God. We're used when you're using in the biblical ways, but we are not. We're we're not going to use a name that is not in the Bible. We certainly aren't going to use a name that just is, since Jesus Christ is the foundation, we're going to use a name in general, since we have a choice of those things that pick, that singles out him as the basis of everything. We're not going to use a, a particular method of church government, like Methodist or Episcopalian or Presbyterian. Those are all references to church government and organization. We're not going to uh, or tie it back to a man like like the Luther. Luther or or a, a practice a ba- Baptist or you know or a place like Anglican 
um, we're going to tie it back in the, what we ref, how we refer to the church and what our general work is to the foundation and the founder, the basis of Jesus Christ. And you can use many, you have many choices in the Bible. The Bible and the church is called the Church of the Firstborn, Church of the Living God. It's called Church of the Lord in several places. But 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 in, that's why when we get to pick among those, we're going to pick for you to learn about us that it's about Jesus Christ as the basis and the foundation. And I really appreciate, I have no idea, because I don't know Jerry beyond uh, the, when he called the show, but but I, I don't know what he had in mind when he asked the question. But I, that's what, that's what this is what me and Gary thought about when you said monolith or, or stone or foundation. That's how the word is used. Uh, that's the concept that I would tie it to the Bible. The only monument that Jesus Christ left to himself was not an obelisk or a tomb or pillars. It was the Lord's Supper, which he said, this do in remembrance of me, what we call communion. And we we practice that every week here because that's the memorial that Jesus Christ set up for himself. We find the early disciples, for example, in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. They waited till the first day of the week, and then they partook of that on the first day of the week. So, what they what they were doing back then, taking the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, is what we're trying to do today. Another example of us trying to be the Lord's Church in the 21st century. And, 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 and you and, you can argue with that. You can say, well, we don't ha- you don't have to do that. You don't have to do this. Yeah, you can argue with all that. I I got you. But it goes back to the fundamental idea: Are you willing to just do and to do completely what Jesus Christ, as the foundation of the church and the foundation of of uh, God's work, God's working in the world. Are you willing to do what He says? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. That it's not so much an idea of going back in time as it is simply going back to the foundation in the Word. It isn't about time. It's it about the it Word. Isn't that's about right. Time. That's exactly it's, right, Gary. It's not, not about the first century. It's about the Word of right. God. I'm only. Po- I'm just pointing back to that time because so many people ba- are basing their Christianity or their religion something happened in the 1500s or the 600s or whatever it may be rather than going back and say, well, where, where do we find out how we ought to act? Well, that was when the apostles were alive. That's when they were given the word by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. That's when he was alive telling us what to do. So that's when the books, but you're right, it's not about time. It's right. about what the word says. It's about what the word says. So this and, is, a, and this the, is thing, the idea of this show that I want to get across to all you. Now, some of these people, Gary, listen to us this morning, if there are any, and I guess there are. Well, at least Jerry's listening. We appreciate that. Uh, but I imagine there might be a few more. Wherever you, you may be on your way to some church that has some human name and practices human doctrines, but I want you to start thinking in terms of, am, am I going to practice and do what the apostles revealed and what Jesus as the founder revealed? Or am I going to continue to do what my parents said to do or what tradition handed down or something like that? That's am I, am the key I going question. To be, That's what this show's about. Right. Am I going to be concerned about the word that Jesus has spoken that will judge us in the last day? Right. And the problem that if you don't go back far enough, Gary, the real problem is what you just said. We're not. We're going to be find ourselves really lacking in the judgment because we haven't learned what Christ said to do. Is that there are a lot of these churches out there that are not teaching? All of what God said to do to be saved, first of all, and a lot of other things, and they don't even seem to really care to. They only want to go back to what their confessional says or what a pope says or what a council says 
or what well, their grandma believed. Well, they don't want to go back far enough to go back to find what Jesus said we ought to do to be saved. Well, when you example. point some of these things out, Mike, and, and we could point them out, but I'm not even going to go there at this point. Maybe we should. But basically, I've heard the argument that said, well, that was back then. Today, it's changed. Well, just how it's well, changed. Well, of course it's changed. How, how did it change? That's the whole point. When did Scripture change? When did the Word of God change? Well, that's, that's assuming that, that since we live in a different time and have, I started to say, transistor radios. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to date you here. Yeah. Since we have all this electronic gadgetry sitting in front of us, Gary, we're doing this show in a very modern way. The apostles never dreamed of being able to, to do the show the way we do it with computers and, and audio mixers and the Internet and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't change who people are and what my responsibility is as a human being, what integrity is and honesty and, and uh, sin and all those. It doesn't change any of those kinds of things. But yet we think that because we're living in 2022, they were a whole lot smarter and better than people that lived way back in 2021, you know. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, back. That's so. I heard some kid say to somebody, well, as a young mother walking by a display in a store, I was in there to return something the other day. Young mother with a husband and, a, and they had a baby in a stroller and she's walking by and she sees some kind of baby clothes or something. Goes, Man, that that's so 1990s. That style is so 1990s. And then, well, what was wrong with the 90s? But anyway, that, that was so ancient to her. But maybe that here. And here's the thing. Maybe when it comes to human Tastes of clothing and style. Maybe you can date something and make it important. But when it comes to what's right or wrong, what humans ought to do, the Bible is timeless. It doesn't matter because people are the same. There's no difference in the people. That the methods that we can do wrong. That's why the pit pie, I think I talked about this last Sunday in a sermon. Avoid every appearance of evil, and it doesn't mean there anything that looks wrong what it means is that evil can appear in many forms and we have to be as discerning as christians to see the forms that evil appears in it appears in a different form today with the internet than it did in my grandfather's day but it's the same evil and i have to have the same response to it and the solution to the to the effects of that evil in me is the same it's the blood of jesus christ Whatever age I live in. I just kept, keep coming back, Mike, to when did it become right to steal somebody's property, to burn it, to destroy it, simply because I'm not happy with what's going on around me? Yeah, that's that, exactly right. And that's, that's when, where when we are. It, and so when since we live come, in a modern time, we're allowed to do that, you know? Yeah, when did it become right to do that? It's never been right. Well, you know, here's another really maybe simple illustration of this. Um, back, you know, most teenagers, teenage boys, you know, they like to try to impress the girls with their car and they'll, they'll go out and you go try to go to a car wash sometimes on a, on a Friday afternoon, you can't get in there because I, I made them take a going to a car wash on new year's Eve in the afternoon. Boy, I tell you, everybody was lined up to get in there. They were all going out some party wanting to impress their girl, you know, and the people they were with. And so it's just been like that because human Human teenage boys are the same, I suppose. So I'm sitting there as a, teen, a young man listening, and we're talking to my grandfather, who was born in the 1890s one day. And he's telling me about one day he had 
he, he was able to get uh, the horse all washed and he got somebody gave he had a buggy he polished his buggy up you know he went and got his girl on his new shiny <laughs> buggy and how much fun that was prancing down the road with his new buggy and I would laugh. Yeah, just like a 57 Chevy all polished up, right? Oh, yeah. So have humans changed from from 1975 to uh, 1875 to 1975? They didn't change at all. There was a different method of impressing young girls, but the, the heart was the same. The methods of this human beings just don't change. Got photographs of my grandfather. Yeah. He, he loved he loved white horses or dark, uh, light gray horses, and he always had a yeah, but pair. that old gray Mary and what she used to had, be. Yeah, had a pair of white horses <laughs> yeah, yeah. that he pulled my grandmother in a, in a buggy with a pair of those white horses, and I'm sure he was as proud as punch. Yeah. And he was those, hoping she was really impressed. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's, she was really impressed. Well, must, <laughs> must have been impressed enough that they married. That they and married. They <laughs> married, and he had pictures of but, it. But, so. but a lot of the time, the things that boys think girls are impressed with, they're not. And same thing is true. Uh, I always tell the young people, I said, guys, girls are not impressed when you drive fast and recklessly. You may think that they're impressed, but girls are usually scared. They don't really appreciate that very much. And the girls all nod their head. And I said, uh, girls, guys aren't impressed when you get all plastered up with makeup and put your hair up and all that stuff. You like it, but the guys don't like it. And they all, all the guys will shake their head. Yeah, that's right. We just like you looking natural, you know, and what you are with your hair down. And so they, there is a miscommunication there. But the attempt, when you see a girl do that, you realize she's trying to impress me. Same thing with the car. But anyway, getting back to the subject, uh, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. I know that verse is misused, but I think this is part of what he was talking about. The processes of the earth, even in nature and in in uh, human relationships, people don't change. don't change. And therefore, the moral principles of the Bible and the the integrity and the other things that must be shown don't change. It's uh, it, it's very hurtful when for and the sin I see. So I, I came across this yesterday in conversation with a woman that I know have known for years. Never ever this never ever came up before, but uh, you know she's fifty some years old probably. And, and I was talking with her and I was laughing about the time that we first met. I met her, it was over poultry and chickens, and I met her, and um, I said, well, we'll meet, we'll meet at uh, Sonny's in Lake Wales or something. So we met there at the Sonny's, and two of them, I never met her before, and she was young, she's young, much younger than me, and she had a little boy with her, and we were laughing because he's now 24, 25, he was two at the time, and I said, you were so scared of me, I said, you were scared to death of me, and and she looked at me and she said, well, yes, because I had been, I forgot the exact word that she used, but it hadn't been that many years before that, she said, that she had been assaulted or molested by a friend of her uncle's or father's. And so, yeah. And I said, well, Joanne, that's the reason why I meet ladies like you that I don't know, women, in a public place. So you will know no. that I am not. Have, don't have bad intentions and you'll be comfortable and she said well yeah i was i said okay because i could see that it wasn't some kind of a problem but what i'm trying to say i've said told that story for this reason that it seems like oh it's such a modern issue the me too movement the modern it's a it's not a modern issue women have been suffering abuse and assault 
and 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 uh, objectification at the hands of men since the beginning of time almost. It isn't us. It isn't something new at all. And the effects upon women for in that kind of behavior from men are the same, whether it happened in whether it happened in Pharaoh's time or whether it happens today. It's the same thing because yeah. humans yeah. don't change. We have more ways of doing it now, more sophisticated ways. But I read I read. Yes, I'm sorry. I read yesterday that they make Apple makes these little key tracking devices. You can put them on your keychain or on your on your phone or in your purse or something. So if you lose them, you're able to track them and find out where you've lost this object. Okay, great idea. Except that some of these lousy men are attaching them to women's cars underneath the car. So they can or, follow them. Or they if they meet some girl in a bar or a restaurant, when she's not looking, they slip one in her purse. Now a- Apple responded to this so right away. I mean maybe they did initially if that's happening, it'll say a, a device that is not yours is following you. If, if they see these two devices mm-hmm. stay close to each other and they know and that one is not registered to that person, they will notify them. And I think they can do it if, if you have an app across an Android phone, too. Well, even, but, even, but they can take the best things and uh, make them and make them uh, the most evil kinds of things. Well, I, I'm, I'm just in, in many ways, Mike concerned with the fact that there are basics that we've had from the beginning that we're losing in in numbers chapter 30 in verse 2 god says if a man makes a vow to the lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement he shall not break his word he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth we've lost that so here here's christians say well god help me god help me or whatever whenever you bring god into, into your conversation you better tremble and realize that you just use his name. Now, are you going to make it using it in vain, or are you going to be serious about that? Well, well e- the, you know, all these things like Psalm 15, I mean, you know, I, there's another one. I've, I'd have, one I've, yeah. I've read that one before, but there's there's one line in verse 4, the last line. He says, "He, these are the people that God lives with. These are the people that God approves of. He said, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Right. Right. Now, Jesus' point in the Sermon on the Mount, the initial big address that he gave that we have recorded in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, he starts off, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. So, for there's the kingdom of heaven. So, so you see right away, he says, poor in spirit. That means somebody who doesn't think that they're the end all and be all of everything and that, that their will and their desires have to be first among everything. And yet the spirit of our age is, that what I want has to be first, yes. and we have to have assertiveness training, so and so forth. I understand the point of that that some people are so uh, passive that they allow themselves to be used and hurt, and I don't believe that that's a requirement to be humble to allow yourself to be used and hurt, especially repeatedly. I don't believe that. And I'm not saying that, but the idea that the problem that all of us have is we need to be more assertive of our own will goes against the core of the gospel. I think, in general, generally speaking, and so. Uh, that's what you're saying. This kind of man in Psalm 15, the other verses you mentioned, is a humble person. Yes. Person is a humble person. Psalm, Psalm who doesn't 15. think that they are uh, able to um, uh, know everything that they that they need, well, and they're dependent upon God for those things. It's a short psalm. Maybe it's profitable to read it, Mike, if you like it. Go ahead. Psalm, psalm 15, beginning you got verse. It there. You got it there, right? Yeah, right okay. here. This is the New King James Version, beginning verse one. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? 
who may dwell in your holy hill. In other words, who's going to live with God? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear God. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. And he who does not put his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Right. Good advice. Yes, it is. Very good. You know, we mentioned, I'll give you another example of this whole thing of humility and and um, that's always been true. Another one of these things that's been from the beginning, since it's all through the Old Testament and the New. He, I'm, I guess I was trying to say, didn't make it clear. Here you're reading from the Psalms written by David or, or other people like that around 1000 BC. We come down to the time of Jesus and uh, he's saying the same thing and to the apostles is all through the New Testament. But even the idea of being saved is this way. When you go and you look at what it takes to be saved, here a person has to to believe that uh, that Jesus Christ is God's son. Well, the 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 elite of our society don't care anything about that at all because what difference does it make to them in their important life if Jesus is God's son? They're way too important to be controlled by a man that lived 2,000 years ago, you see. And so they don't care about believing. You, you've got to repent to be, be to be saved. And except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Peter told them, perish. Peter told them in Acts 2, and they asked him what they should do to be saved. He, he said, repent and be baptized. Repentance is changing your mind, turning around. Well, well proud people, self-centered people, aggressive, assertive people, don't change their mind about anything. They don't start looking at things a different way. And really what it means is begin to see yourself as others see you so you can see the, see your wrongs and your failings because you're seeing them through somebody else's eyes instead of being self-defensive about everything. So repentance is an essential element of being a Christian and being saved. Not only that first initial repentance when you come to Christ, but a, a repentance continually when you look at yourself. But proud people don't do that, do they? No. It's not in their nature to do that. How many times you really see these politicians and movie stars and elite people in the media ever actually truly repent and change? They right. don't. They make an apology. I'm sorry that you misunderstood what I said. You know, they, they give some kind of phony apology and we just accept it uh, and go on. And we have short memories about those kind of things rather than holding them accountable for what they say and do. Because they don't, they're not intending on repenting. They just want you to forget about it. Uh, that's what well, the new word is gaslighting is here. You know what gaslighting yes. is? Okay, so. It took me a while to learn it, but I yeah. did. That's what uh, oftentimes husbands, abusive husbands do to their wives and wives do their husbands and so forth. It, it's what politicians have been doing to us for a few couple, two or three years real clearly here. They've been telling us one thing and to throw us off the track when they know something else is really true. Uh, and then, then you get that they're not intending on changing. So then you, 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 you're willing to confess to be saved. When you confess, uh, when you confess uh, Christ's name before men, he'll confess you. But to stand up like the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, when he said, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. 
And so he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That, that's what I that's what I ask people when they come to me to be saved. I said, well, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son? Are you willing to confess that before me and others? That, that means that you're going to base your life on that. It's something that you stand up on. You're not ashamed of that. Well, a humble person's willing to do that. They don't mind having a savior. They don't mind needing to be saved. They don't mind the fact that, I mean, they, they mind it in the sense that they don't like it, but, but they're willing to accept the fact that they've sinned and need to change. Yeah, but proud it, people it, aren't going to be that way. And we learn more and more about these things in Scripture. You, you, that was the confession that the Ethiopian eunuch, he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's Max, uh, Acts 8, 37, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. But also in Romans 10, we learn something else. This is how Scripture illuminates things to us. Uh, Paul says, beginning in verse 8, and I'll read a little preliminary. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We need to believe that. Yes. And, 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 it's and not more, be too proud to admit that. And not to be too proud. To, for Basically, that is more important in many ways that people have missed so much. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul is talking to them about the resurrection and beginning about verse 17. And he says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Basically, the, the, the fact of the resurrection and the belief in it is, is extremely important to the Christian. And I can't overemphasize that. Well, of course, the resurrection only means something to you if you don't think you already got it all, got everything you need to start right. with, and you're you're willing you're willing to admit that you need something, uh, but, and you need to be saved. But then he then he tells them after they've con- repented and confessed, he says you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. To become a Christian, you have to be true a true Christian. You have to be humble enough to say, I am a sinner. I have sinned against God and man, and I need to. I need to be cleansed from that sin. And you have to do a humbling act of being buried in water. Yeah, and basically and rising, raise, being raised back up to a new life. you got to humiliate yourself, humble yourself to do that. How many times on television have I heard, believe and you'll be saved? When And yes, God does grant you something upon belief. In John 1, verse 12, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who yeah. believe in his name. But the devils you, also believe and tremble. Yes. but you They get, aren't going to do anything about it. They aren't going to do anything about it. You get upon belief the right, but you have to take that right. Right. There are things right. we have to do. We have to confess with the mouth. We have to repent. We have to be baptized. So that, so this is an application of, uh, of the idea of being just a Christian here in the 21st century, of going back and and, and talking about what kind of people we need to be. And that's one reason why we spend time on this show, contrasting attitudes of, of the elite of modern society and modern humans, the things that you're picking up by living in the water of modern culture, all of us are, of arrogance and pride and then lack, lack of a need for God, lasciviousness, just following your own lust, your own heart, wherever you go. And somehow this is a virtue we teach our children. They should follow their heart. Whatever they want to do, they should do it. Don't let anybody tell them not to. 
you know, this is somehow presented as a virtue to our children. We need to swim against that tide and look at the scriptures and even to become a Christian. And a lot of Christian denominations won't go this far because they're not going to teach you the whole truth about this. They know that they can't get as many people to come and and and, and be baptized, and become Christians by teaching that partly. It's just kind of a sixth sense. You realize it's not going to happen that and way. Particularly donate. What's a yeah, that's right. What's a, been a, a rewarding thing to me over the years, Gary, having baptized hundreds of people, I suppose. I don't have any record of that, but but it's not important. But um, is here people come and, and they want to know what to do. So you, you talk to them about this and they say, yes, I want to do exactly what what Jesus says to do in the Bible. And so we go to a, a, a swimming pool or a lake or this baptistry here take their confession and baptize them into Christ. And here's a person standing before you that may be a businessman or businesswoman or some other thing in society, a dignified mother, and she's standing there soaking wet, hair all stringing down, makeup running, and she's so thankful, so happy, so so overjoyed at the at the feeling and understanding of forgiveness. And you realize this is a humble person. This is someone that God can accept. You see why? I'm telling you, you see why this is like it is. You see that this kind of humility before the Lord is something that, like the passage you read, he will recognize. He will accept that kind of humility. And, and then going forward in life from there, if you can maintain that humility, he will begin to bless you through his spirit to grow and to uh, change, to become something different than you are. But that's in response to your, to you being humbled. And this is something about humans that never changes. So you can go back in the Bible and read about these things. Well, well we've even used the example of this of Naaman in the Old Testament, the Syrian. Is that, yes. is that Second Kings uh, I can uh, five? Find. I think it's First Kings or Second Kings 5, I believe. I think I can find it. Uh, and, and Naaman, this important man, he, with leprosy, his little servant girl who was an Israelite says, well, you know, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. He'd ask, he told Naaman, go down to the Jordan River and dip in it seven times, you'll be healed. Starts you know, in Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1, and yeah. goes all the way through uh, Most that chapter, the, the end it? of that chapter. Yeah, and, and so Second Kings 5, and here's this proud, important man, and his little servant girl points out, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, you'd have done it, because he went away mad. He wouldn't do it, because they have better rivers back at home. But of course, the story is he had to do exactly what the prophet of God said. And so he went and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times and came up clean, clean as a newborn baby, which his skin did. And he went back and, and tried to find the prophet so he could learn how to worship God. Now, the point of that is not that Naaman was baptized. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say that here's a, here's a great man who was apparently... Even before this, the kind of person who his servant girl would respect enough to try to help. Well, that's, that's one that, thing. that starts at verse nine in chapter yeah. five. As yeah. a matter of fact, Mike, it's not real long. He says, verse nine, then Naaman went with his horses and chariot. Naaman is a rich man and in control, powerful man, powerful man. And he stood at the door of Elijah's house and Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. 
But listen, here, here's, here's what happened. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me. But Naaman wasn't even happy with the messenger. And stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Naaman wanted him to do it the way Naaman wanted. Are not right. the Abana and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored and the flesh as the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. That's the story. That's the picture of a man turning from pride to humility. Well, Gary, and that's a great story. You know, we we got a text. I didn't hear it come through on my phone till just now, so uh, it was a few minutes ago. Well, that's a parallel to baptism. Right it is. There. It is a parallel. But it's not talking about baptism. It's not it's talking about baptism. The humility, and and basically what it's saying is, you may not understand the reason. But you need to do what God says to do right. and the way that he says to do it. Because I know I can get least, at least that much out of it. Because God wants to see a character in you, a certain character, a certain character that he's, he's looking for. God wants to see that in you, and these simple acts reveal that. Right. Uh, there is a um, – we got a text from Corinne. I, I don't know Corinne, of course, but she said the sinner's prayer, because I think I must have mentioned that. Where did it originate, or uh, where did it come from? Well, it's not in so the Scripture. Are, yeah, and I, I texted back and said, well, it's not in the Bible, and, and I think we can find that out. But people, preachers often tell people, this is really my, and I've been doing this for my, most of my life now, Gary, 46, seven years. And I can, I can tell you that I didn't hear much about a sinner's prayer when I was young. This is something that really came from the 70s and 80s. Probably now I'll look, look. Let me see if I can look this up. But it probably originated in the. Um, well, I'm I'm going to say something here. I think okay. I think the idea came from uh, in Acts at the end of the quote of Joel. He says, "Those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved." Now, in this case, Naaman thought the prophet ought to come out and wave his hand over the spot and do those things. Those preachers now think that that calling upon the name of the Lord, their way is prayer. Perhaps. Think, but when you, when you, when you, but when you look at Acts chapter two, that's not he what said, he said. After, after there's people are baptized, he tells them, he tells them, or, he tells them to be baptized. He says, call on the name of the Lord. Call that's him, the point. That's the way. That's the that, calling on the name of the Lord. That's the way God says to call on his name is to be baptized. And the result of that is in First Peter three twenty one. He says, "And now baptized saves you. Baptism now saves you." Right. Now, so you know, it's 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 going back to that idea of whether it's some person's idea or did I look in the scripture and find out what God really meant by that phrase? If you look it up, even on Wikipedia, of course, that's the source of all truth everywhere of all for all time. Wikipedia okay. that, that any person can go on and write whatever they want, and they do. But anyway, I'm being mocking <laughs> the idea. But it isn't. It, it can be useful for some general information. Let's be generous and call it. We don't take it too seriously. Let's be generous and call it sarcasm. Oh, what I was doing? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's that's okay. 
is sarcasm because the idea that that fact checkers from the New York Times actually deal in facts and the Wikipedia is the source of truth in modern society is a joke if anybody wants to do any critical thinking uh, or just plain observation from time to time and not lose their memory every few minutes. You know, mo- most modern people, in my opinion, Gary, are like the guys on Men in Black, you know, where they hit them with that ray gun in the forehead yeah. and they can't remember anything. <laughs> you know, politicians can lie to their face, do all kinds of things, and in the next election cycle, they act like nothing ever happened, and they vote for them again. It's crazy. It's amazing they forget it. But anyway, um, the, well, the sinner's I, I prayer just, is I, not in the New Testament. Yeah, I just think it came from some man's idea of what it means to call upon the name of the Lord, not God's idea of what it means to call upon the name of the Lord. If you look at the conversion stories in the book of Acts, which is full of them, they will they, they show you that there is not a single instance of a lost sinner being instructed to pray for his or her salvation. The apostle Paul prayed after he was seen, seen saw Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He wasn't the apostle then. He was Saul of Tarsus. Had been, he prayed after Christ struck him blind. But then he was told to go and talk to Ananias, who would tell you words about whereby you might be saved. Cornelius Ananias told, told him how to be saved. Right. Cornelius was told the same thing. Same. Even words, he was a praying man, prayed to God. His prayers were up to, uh, up to God, uh, but God sent a man to him to tell him how to be saved, which was being baptized along with other things. Well, so there's not a single instance in the New Testament where prayer is a prayer of salvation that's told from a, to a lost sinner. They're told to believe on the Lord, repent of their sins, be immersed for the forgiveness of their sins in order to enjoy this. So uh, this is, and, and the verse that they mention here, something I'm looking at right now, is just, I was trying to see if I could find some history on this, is um, I've got a couple long articles on my computer to go into this, Gary, and I just can't locate them at the moment. Maybe I can do that for next week and answer the Corinne's question more exactly. But they will quote Acts 2.21. It shall be that whosoever shall call the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then Peter, a few verses later, tells them to repent and be baptized for the remission of your your sins, and you shall receive the gift. And and then uh, we have another parallel passage in Acts 22. 22 and 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on his name. So the calling on his name is a participle that modifies the being baptized. In other words, that's how it happens, you see. Yes. Those two things are linked together uh, grammatically as well as in this context in Acts 22:16. So there just simply isn't any authority. The, the reason that people leave out the part about being baptized for remission of sins is not because it's not found in the Bible. It's because of a, a philosophical interpretation by Martin Luther and others even before him that were saved by faith alone, okay? And so, because, and I give them this much, that the Catholic Church appeared to be teaching salvation by works because of the indulgence system at the time of Martin Luther. And so his teaching on salvation by faith alone was not the idea of initial salvation, but the idea of being saved through the keeping the works of the church, the indulgences, the saying the Hail Marys and the penance, can't save you. You can't earn it through doing those things. You can't buy your way out of hell if you sin by doing all these works. That's the works Martin Luther was talking about, the works of Catholic salvation, not the works of doing the works of God, not obeying God. And so that's the problem. You know, saying, Lord, Lord is not enough. Calling on the name of the Lord, saying, Lord, Lord, what's the Bible say? Jesus himself says, 
everyone, not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who, what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven, Matthew 7, 21. So it's not calling on the name of the Lord that saves you. It's doing the will of the Father. And so that will is expressed in by Jesus. And when he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus said that in Mark 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And then you have the apostles saying the same thing. It's a matter initially of what you do. And then we've even taught this morning that it involves, even after you become a Christian, what you do. Oh, you, you can't do anything to earn your salvation, but you can certainly do things to cause you to be lost because you continue to sin against the Lord. You see. Well, let's, James 2, verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. We've talked about that already. Yeah, yeah. But do you do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac? Was was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him righteousness and he was called a friend of God you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone or only. correct that's right well and you see then this uh, uh, this whole system of salvation by faith alone sometimes they say salvation by grace alone well let me just tell you you can't have two alones okay uh, you can't have two alones you can have, pick one either faith or grace pick one. I know that sounds a little silly, but it's just plain old, plain English, the meaning of words. Pick yeah. whichever one it is, grace alone or faith alone. Grace implies what God does. Faith implies what you do. Perhaps some people say it doesn't, but you got to pick one of those two. So it's not alone. The Bible never uses the word alone with regard to these things. Well, our time is gone today. We're going to have to kick this off. Well, I guess we, no, I guess I'm looking yeah, at the well, wrong clock. I'm looking at the wrong clock here, Gary. Well, we got uh, about two more minutes. Yeah, we've got think. a couple of minutes. Uh, I, go ahead. I, and I would what like you to say, say about James 2:26 for the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. Right. The key words here are show me your faith. I will show you my faith by my works. When you go back and look at what Jesus did when they let the paralytic down, he says, when he saw their faith, he acted. Right. God wants to see our faith. It's interesting. People talk about baptism being a work. Baptism is not something that you do. It's something that's done to you. Okay. It basically. As a, passive, as a passive act, as a work, dead person, it's, it's, it's something that somebody does to you. The work involved in that is God's work in well, forgiving your sins. Well, that's, that's what the book Colossians says. It's faith in the operation of God. I'll look that up. Let me look that up, but our time is going Yeah, be, our time is running is out. It's really running out. Now, we need to come back to this subject next week, and I appreciate the text we got on this. I don't know if we even began to answer it. I'll do a little more research. I've got, to say, I've got some more information about the exact historical accounts, and we'll do that. But you Thank do get something when you believe. You get the right to become right. a... Okay, very good. That, that's, you, have to, you have to take that right. You have to pick it up and take it, but you get that right. 
Thank you very much for listening today. We'd like to invite you to take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. And we'd like to invite you to come and worship with us this morning at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. And we appreciate you listening. Tune in again next week, and may God bless you. WPSL Port St. Lucie.